Amen. For those who's going to stay in the room here today, you can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And uh, I want to do a, a short little teaching, preaching this morning on, on a question that I want to pose. Why do we fail to praise God? Why do we fail to praise God? And while you get Romans 1, um, and we're going to start reading there in verse 21, the question is, uh, or let me say, the question stems from a very wide topic of praise. Praise in itself, it can go any direction. There's many rabbit holes you can get stuck in, and there's, I think, a lot of, thing, uh, a lot of things that can be mentioned from, from praise. Hence, I'm going to try and stick to this question this morning, why do we fail to praise? So I might, during the sermon or teaching, bunny trail here and there, so I'll get back to it. Um, <clears throat> but I, the question that I, that I want to ask here this morning is, why do we fail to praise? And in uh, Romans 1 and verse 21, read with me there. Uh, Paul wrote and he said, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. We'll read further just now, but, but I think that's the catching phrase there. They knew Him. They didn't glorify Him as God. Why not? Why do we not do what we are told in this? Let's read further there. Neither were they thankful. Wow, okay, that's, that's a pretty small thing, eh? They, they just they weren't thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Now, this is the effect of not glorifying God as God and not being thankful. They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I want to show you guys two things um, pertaining to that, which is pretty shocking. And I think before we do that, let's just bow our heads and, and step into the throne room. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we're able to meet here this morning. Um, God, it is, it is a privilege. Lord, we don't want to take it for granted. Um, Lord, it's great to, to be able to, to sit um, under your word, Father, and, and be able to sing praises to you, uh, Father, to see you on the throne and everything you have done for us. Lord, um, uh, we will we'll be ever grateful, Father. And I do pray and ask that tomorrow would be no, uh, t today would be no different than this morning would be no different, Lord, that you would um, meet with us this morning, Lord. Please speak with us. Um, Lord, mold us, change us. Lord, do what you have to do with each and every heart in here this morning. Father, take this lesson, take these notes, Lord, and, and please change them um, from my mouth to the ear, Lord, as you see fit. Um, Lord, my only request this morning is please use it, Lord. Please use this and, and, um, and minister, Father, to your people here this morning, Lord. Minister to me, you have already. And thank you for the privilege we have, Lord, of sitting here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You see there in verse 21, they say, uh, Paul said here, because when they knew God, they glorified them not as God. Guys, we're not talking about a bunch of atheists here. We're not talking about Muslims. These people knew God. They, they knew God. I would dare say they are Christians. They're, they're sitting in church. Look with me at verse 25. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and served the creature more than the creator. It is not saying they're serving not the creator. They are serving the Creator, but there is a, a, a reprioritization in this. And I want to make it clear in, in, in these two that, that we, it's kind of the same people uh, referencing to us. It's people that, that knew God, not glorifying Him as God, and it's people that, that's, that's worshiping God, but reprioritizing in how they do it. So 
thinking about that, that this passage speaks to Christians, it speaks to the Romans specific, this is post Jesus dying on the cross, and, and the whole passage, more or less, it, it speaks about the, the falling away, the steps to apostasy, or the steps to falling away, and I think it would be good if that we take heed in this and see where does praising God fall into this, or the lack of praising God, where does that lead to? Um, it is something that we're accustomed to. I mean, we step into church and say, you know what, yeah, God's been good, or praise the Lord, or but, but do we mean that? Do we, do we put the, the right emphasis on that? And do we know what we, what we are saying? So I think the first thing that came to my mind in all of this, and I think I just want to lay some groundwork before we get to the, to the points of this, um, the Bible tells us in numerous spots that we are to glorify God. We are to worship Him. We are to praise Him. Um, and God is, is worthy of that. And at a certain point, God even tells us that, that we need to worship Him. Now, I don't know about you. I think... 99% of the people in this room would have sat or be uh, in the same room as somebody that requested praise. All right? Somebody you know that, that says, you know what, you, you, you need to praise me. They might not say that outright, but you know their actions sh show that. That's somebody that I very rarely want to be around. It's, it's a little bit awkward, right? You guys know what, I, what I'm speaking about? That these people, they, they, they seek praise. They want people to praise them. And my carnal mind thinking about that says, but if, 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 if I look at somebody asking praise, do, do I apply that same thinking to God? Well, no, obviously not. But it is still a, 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 a strange concept to think that the Father in heaven commands, can I go that far to say commands praise? And reading through the Bible and all of this, I can with all honesty say that he says that not for his own well, more to so for our well-being than his own well-being. He doesn't need praise, but he knows that the effect of praise, the effect of fervent praise, it's, 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 it, it adds up and it ends in a state that's absolutely perfect for the, the one um, praising or doing the praise. So making sure that, that, that understanding what, what praise is. So no, obviously we don't apply that thinking to God. God is not an egotistical prideful man that says, you know what, you, you have to praise me and I deserve it, but God is perfect and there's nothing wrong in him. And because of that, he does deserve praise. And he is in his full right capacity to say, well, there's nothing wrong with me and, and, and you, have to, you have to do that. C.S. Lewis had the following to say about praise. It's a, it's a short passage I'm going to read. I'm going to highlight a couple of things out of this. And this really helped me a lot it, it, to put into perspective of, of uh, the, the, the concept of praise. He said, the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor, which is right. I mean, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. I had never noticed that all enjoyment, enjoyment, spontaneously overflows into praise. Unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. If those two things without it, every time you enjoy something, it will spontaneously flows into praise. The world rings with praise, and he lists a, a, a lot of things here. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers um, their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, and he goes on and on and on and on. And he, had said, and he says this, I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them. 
Do we not always say this? Isn't she lovely? What, wasn't that great? Didn't you enjoy that? Without knowing it, people urge each other to pray something that they value. And he said, goes further, further. Now, this is where I got all, most of the references. In the book of Psalms, time after time, the psalmist say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank Him. And it's uh, stemming from this. They are urging us because they praise. They are pulling us into that, to that area. The psalmist is telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God, dependent on my absurdly denying to us, as regards to the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what, we in, uh, in, uh, uh, what indeed we can't help doing, about everything else we value. And he ends off with this. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, because the praise not merely expresses, um, but completes the enjoyment. If you just enjoy something inside of you, you will explode. You'll have to say something. You'll have to show something. There needs to be some external expression of you enjoying or valuing a certain topic or subject or something. <clears throat> It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till expressed. Why do we fail to praise God? Well, now we know where the praise comes from, why people praise, because they value, because they enjoy. And that's just the natural way of doing things. People enjoy things and therefore praise follows. We are invited by the psalmists, psalmists to praise God. Why do we not enjoy it? Why do we not use it? And I think to, to funnel this down in specific this, I want to touch four points that I'm going to get out of Romans 1, specifically on this. Now, there are numerous more points we can put, pull into this. You might differ from me in many of them. But I think these four, taking heed to what is being said here, would definitely help, assist, and dare I say, give us some quick wins in the Christian life. The Christian life, it's a marathon, it's not a race. We always very rarely get demotivated because we think, I'm never going to be perfect. And that is okay. God said, in the end, everything will be perfect, and you will be perfect at the end. But I, and I think we, a lot of times we get demotivated because that's way far in the future. So I think bringing this back to today... I want to give us some quick wins to say, you know what, if you apply this, you will kind of see immediate results. If you just change this or tweak that or maybe change your mindset in this or try this, you might see immediate results. So Romans 1, and read with me there in verse 21 again. <clears throat> but that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. So they didn't glorify Him as God. Now what did they glorify then? They didn't glorify Him as God. What did they glorify Him as? And where, where, where did all of this go wrong? Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 
They were suppressing the truth. You see, there's one thing knowing about this. It's another thing believing it. If you believe something, you will act on it. If you just know about something, well, that's just a fact. I know that church is going on. I know that the Bible exists. I know that whatever. I know that the sun is shining. But I have to act on it to show that I believe that. And I think the first point in all of this is neglecting the Scriptures. Why do we fail to praise God? It's because we neglect the Scriptures. And in, <clears throat> in verse 18, we read here that these ungodly and un unrighteousness who hold the truth, they have the truth, but they hold it in unrighteousness. Look at uh, verse 28. And as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. It's not a thing of did they have it or did they not have it. They chose to say, I don't want this. Because they did not like to retain God in His knowledge. You know, a lot of times we take this and the Bible says certain things that we don't like. Do we then, what do we do then? Do we know it? Do we believe it? Well, if we believe it, we have to act on it. We have to act on it. And if the Bible says one thing or the other, whether we like it or not, they, if we value this, if we care about this, there should be a spontaneous overflow into praise. We should enjoy church, right? Amen. Amen. It is nice to be in church. Yes, it's every Sunday, but it's nice to be here. It's nice to be able to greet people and, and be able to have a discussion and be able to exhort one another. It's good to be around the brethren and sistren. It's good to be in church. And the Bible says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And again, that's, I think that's one of the bunny trails. But guys, this is where praise happens. This is where praise happens naturally. It happens easy. If you struggle with it, this is the place to be. You're not going to be weird or out of space if you raise up your hand to heaven and say, Amen. You're not going to be weird if we sing a song and you just feel the stirring of God in your heart and you raise your hand to heaven and you feel humbled by what God has done for you. And if you can't do it here, I dare say you are going to struggle to do it out there. This is the place. We won't laugh. We won't think it funny. You might just exhort somebody else. And God said, you know what, take this truth. Take this truth that God has. And, and, and even might I go as far as to say verse 1 to 5, roughly in there, verse 5 speaks specifically about the gospel. It speaks about the faith in Christ. That is also the truth of God. That is the truth we read about in this book. You know, when you witness to somebody and you tell them that, you know what, God died for you, that's great. But the moment you get to the point to say, but you're not worthy of going into heaven, they say, whoa, 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 whoa. So you think you're better than me? And that whole discussion comes up. But that is the part of knowing and believing. That is the part where we have to say, well, this is where I have to put my will aside and say, Lord, you wrote it. If I say, but I don't believe that, does that make this thing false? No. If I close my eyes and I say the sun is not shining, you would think I'm stupid. Open up your eyes. The facts is there. 
It's the same with this. I'm not saying you're a sinner. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you to praise God. I'm not forcing you. It's what this book is saying. It's what God is saying. And He values it for you. He knows what the end goal will be. In verse 13, we read about, and I'm still on the point of neglecting the Scriptures. <clears throat> In verse 13, we read about Paul. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you, even as among the Gentiles. Now, I don't want to stretch this verse here, but I do want to say that I think Paul mentioned that because of verse, what is that? Verse 11 and 12. For I long to see you, that I might impart, and so on and so forth. He loved these people. He cared for them. Now, if somebody in this day and age came, came by and said, you know what, guys, this is the ministry. This is what I have for you. And they love you, and they care for you, and they go away for some time. And they say, I will come back. And then a year passes, and they don't show up. The devil will come in and say, yeah, but they never loved you. It was just a show. I think Paul wrote this just to remind him and said, guys, do not believe any lies from the devil. I still love you. I still care for you. Let's push on. And one, one of the other things is believing the lies from the devil. I think so many times we take this and we read a verse. If you go through Ephesians 1 and 2, you have been redeemed. You have been saved. We look at that and everybody knows the answer. We say, yeah, but not me. Yeah, yeah, everybody else. God can save the worst of sinners, but, 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 but not me. And in a sense, we are full of pride by trying to be humble. Why we just say, Lord, that's, that's me. That's, it's, it's who I am. Lord, you said it. I believe it. And honestly, I don't have to go far to prove myself wrong in the fact that I'm not perfect. It doesn't take me long in a day to realize, oh, a month. Come on, man. We just restart the day and try again. We just have to push through it. And one of those things, it's not neglecting this. Life is very unstable. It's a bunch of things happening throughout the day, here, there. Life's happening at a fast pace. And you know what I've realized is if I stand on this, I'm a little bit more, oh, I say a little bit, I'm a lot more stable. If something happens and I try and think about that nugget I heard about last week or Thursday night or read about in the Bible or heard in a sermon, and I say, you know what, Lord, that verse, it brings me through this problem. Other than taking that thing and running down a path, the world's going to end. Calm down. Just zoom out a little bit and look at the bigger picture. God is still in control. He is still working. And he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of saying, you know what, Lord? Great, you gave me another day. Sometimes, take your Bibles, keep your space in Romans, and turn to, to Jeremiah. I just want to show you a quick verse there. Jeremiah 9. Jeremiah 9. When you get to Genesis, you've gone too far. <laughs> Not a lot of people laughed. It is a joke. <laughs> All right, Jeremiah 9. Jeremiah 9 and 23. Oh, this is good. Jeremiah 9 and 23. <clears throat> the Lord said this, guys. It wasn't, it wasn't Jeremiah wrote it. God said this. Let, uh, thus saith the Lord, 
Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. How many times do we see this? Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God is pointing to us and he says, when you glory, make sure you understand and you know. Because if you understand and if you know, oh guys, there's so many promises, so many good things to follow. This is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm echoing, am I echoing? Not, am I good? Are we good? All right. This is not a prosperity gospel trying to say, if you do this, then X, Y, Z will happen. This is just to say you, this is an opportunity, a great opportunity for you to move closer to God, to experiencing more purely, more intimate, to go a step up in your Christian life. Say, Lord, I, I want to try this. Having faith. And God knows that's something I'm struggling with. I am, you know what the Bible says, we walk by faith and not by sight. The, oh, that verse was written for me. Wow, I struggle with that. Oh, wow, I struggle with that. When people tell me stuff, I mean, especially people I don't know. Now, there's probably some merit in this as well, but I very rarely just out of my knee-jerk reaction is not, oh, well, they said it, so it must be true. I always have more doubt in me than anything else. And that flows over to the Scripture. So when God says, Armand, you're saved, I'm like, yeah, kind of. We'll see when we get to the judgment. I'm like, my goodness, you're arguing with the creator of the earth. When he said something, man, just believe it. And it sounds, it sounds so small. Say it, believe it, say it. But there's so much in that. There are, there's so much praise in just that. God said, sinner, believe. And you saying, Lord, I believe. I take this by faith. God rejoices in that. God rejoices in that. All enjoyment flows from praise. I think we can move on to the next point. The next point. So the first one is not neglecting the Scripture. Or why do we fail to praise God? I think in, in a lot of times we neglect the Scripture. And, I, and I, guys, I'm not saying that we take the Bible and we throw it out. But small steps lead to the neglecting of the Scriptures. Small steps. In, in, is it not, I think it's Song of Solomon speaking about the, the foxes. Small, little foxes. It's just here and there, changes here and there, here and there, and you find yourself a month or two or three later, and you say, my goodness, it's been two months since I've read the Bible, or two weeks, or two days, or two hours, whatever. But small things, small things. The next point I want to look at is taking things for granted. In verse 21 we read, they knew God, but they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. Neither were they thankful. How many things have you taken this, uh, for granted this morning? Just this morning. And because I was preparing for this, I take nothing for granted. So I'm in the clear this morning. So I, st I, I woke up and I'm like, Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, thank you. I'm able to walk. Father, I'm able to sit down at my desk. Thank you for a computer. Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, da, 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 so that I can say this. I did all of that so I can say that. <laughs> How many things have we been 
took for granted this morning, just being able to open up our eyes. Lord, thank you. Another day. Able to drink coffee, sleep under a blanket. Waking up next to a wife, a good wife. (laughs) Amen. There we go. (laughs) Amen. Amen. But I'm serious. Taking things for granted. How many times do we, we wake up at six in the morning or whatever time you wake up, and by 10 o'clock we look back and say, wow, I've had breakfast, I was working on a computer, I drove in my car, I had a breakfast, I had health, I had health. my wife's healthy, kids are healthy, whatever it might be, and we don't ever look back and say, Lord, wow, thank you. Just, Lord, thank you for that. It's, it, it, it might be something quick, but it's earnest. And, and the Bible says it here. It took, it, it, it's situating after glorifying God and they weren't thankful. What? The Bible says, do not despise the day of small things. Thank you is a small thing. My goodness, it carries weight. That thing carries weight. Do we not teach our kids to say thank you from a young age? Should we not teach our kids to say thank you from a young age? Why? It shows respect. It shows, you know what, you've you gone on out of your way to do this. Thank you. Thank you for this. I, I, I don't necessarily deserve your goodness. Thank you for that. And it stems from a thankful heart. There are many verses. I just want to show you guys this one. We don't have to turn there. But Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good and His mercy endures forever. If there's one nugget you take home today, take home that one. And just praise the Lord for His mercy that endures forever. Keep your your spot in Romans and turn to the book of Luke. Speaking about thankfulness. Taking everything or a bunch of things for granted. Luke chapter 6. Sorry, I'm not sure if I said that. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and we're going to read in verse 32. Taking things for granted. Why do we need to thank? Verse 32. Um, let's read 31 with it. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also uh, to, to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do uh, even the same. And if ye lend to them whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? Guys, this is a level playing field. We're talking about people that from the, that's cut from the same cloth. Giving me something, I give it back. Or giving me something and I say thank you. What we're referring to about in God's stead is God just gave. We can never give back enough to level the playing field and saying, Lord, you gave this. Now I've given you back all of this. So, so we're, we're in parallel. God will all, we will always be, what I say, in debt to Christ for what He did. Just about, I'm, I'm referring to just at the cross, just at Calvary. That trumps the rest of your life. Now we're not going to all the detail on God being good to you every day and blessing you with abundantly above all with joy and thankfulness and kindness and a family, of, a body of Christ and a church and all of those things. Are just, it's just add-ons. It's just God bragging. (laughs) 
we should not take that for granted. We should not take that for granted. Now, what I want to say is, before we get to the third point here, is you not saying thank you will not get you to hell. Okay? That doesn't constitute you absolutely losing your salvation, even though that's not possible, and you just ending up in hell. It's, it's, not, it's not that big of, it's not you rejecting Christ. But it's so important that this not saying thank you leads to we not glorifying God as we should. Referring again to the little foxes. You omitting to say thank you here. Realizing something here. And the next time you just say, well, Lord, I woke up this morning. I mean, that's what, Lord, that's what you do. This is our, our kind of arrangement. You wake me up in the morning and I kind of do my work. And then I pay you at the end of the month, the 10th. And kind of that's what we do. We don't look at that and we say, God, thank you. Thank you for everything. And I think it's important that we look at that. And we need to be careful that, that I don't want to say a root of, I don't, know what to, I don't know what to call it, but that the omitting of thank you, that that ends up in us saying, but whoa, I deserve this. No, 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 I don't have to say thank you. This, this, is, this is mine. Which leads into my third point, reprioritizing God in your life. The moment we omit and take those things for granted and we get that form of a, um, a, a, a I, 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 I need this, this is mine, I, 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 um, uh, every, every English word just disappeared, deserve, I deserve this, it's so, so simple, so simple. <laughs> Verse 24 and 25, my third point, reprioritizing God. Where, um, wherefore God also, it's, I'm back in Romans, sorry, Romans 1 and 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Wow. They took the truth. It's not that they just said, okay, I'm not going to believe that. They took it and twisted and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator I think this is more a slap in God God's face than somebody being an atheist taking what God has given you twisting it changing it and then going about saying no no but this is what God said no no but this is what he means no 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 I mean he, I don't want to go into this but he goes further to say and it goes into into the the unnatural use of a man and a woman it goes into homosexuality and and isn't that where we end off today where people say I I can't do a bunch of sin but God still loves me presumptuously duck it's it, it's uh, seriously I look at that and I say Whew, I, I don't know what to do, but I don't, I don't want to be you at the judgment. So I would really like to help you before we get there. And I'm not saying this that I'm better than them. I have my own sin and I would like somebody to come and point that out to me if anybody sees that. But seeing that, knowing the, presump uh, the, the presumptuous attitude they have, they changed themselves. They took the truth and turned it into a lie. And they reprioritized God. It's not, that they, it's not that they took God and just threw him out. They, they still kept God in the close quarters, if I, if I can put it that way. It was their choice. I think there's a saying, thunder rejectors become lightning. Is it not? What, what's that saying? 
Light, yeah, there's where you go. Light rejected becomes lightning. And that's why I'm saying duck. When, when we do that, when we take God and we say, Lord, you're not the priority anymore. We put you second, third, fourth, fifth. I think, well, God is a jealous God. He's going to make his presence known to you one way or the other. One way or the other. I mentioned, I alluded to this earlier, just somebody not believing. If I say the sun is shining and somebody says, no, no, my eyes are closed, it's dark. That does not, just, that does not prove the fact that the sun is not shining. The sun is still shining. All right, you get what I'm saying? So, I want to read you a quote here. I think this is also from C.S. Lewis, if I'm not mistaken. But a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. So what he is saying here, you cannot take away from God's glory by not worshiping him. So you not worshiping him doesn't make him more glo- less glorious. He still deserves praise, whether you give it to him or not. Take your Bibles, keep your spot in Romans, Luke again, Luke 14. Luke 14. Reprioritizing God. And again, if I can bring this home to all of us here this morning, you might look at this and say, Armand, but I don't, rep- I, I'm, God is number one in my life. I don't put anything else before God. It's not like I'm, 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 I'm presumptuously sinning in X, Y, Z. Let's look at Luke 14 and 26. It's a verse many of us know, all of us know. If any man come to me and hate not father and a mother and a wife and children and brethren and sister, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That strong word, hate, that is a reprioritizing of God in your life. It's not you saying, I don't like these people listed in 26. It's just saying all of them comes second, third, fourth, fifth. But God comes first. And how often and how quickly can this not happen? Where we put especially a wife or a husband or a kid before God. Because they're right there. They have a need right now. Well, have you ever recognized your need to get a hold of God? Your need to get into the prayer clause and say, Lord, they are important, but you are importanter. <laughs> Lord, you're more important. Lord, I'm, I'm going to take some time away from this priority and just give it to you. It's, it's hard, Lord. I, I don't want to say, sorry, wife, I cannot now. Sorry, kid, I cannot now. But do you know how much that means to God? You putting Him first. And I think we have to get back to that point. And, and it's an ongoing battle. It's, it's, it's not like you're going to get it sorted out next week. But the grace of God is sufficient to keep us going through all of this. A very, very powerful saying. In a world with so many distractions, being able to give your full attention to one thing at a time, it's very powerful. You being able to say, shling, clean, one focus. 
I'm not saying I have this perfected. I have so many times prayed. And then, it does it happen to you as well? You start and will kneel down and you start praying. And you, Lord, thank you very much for the day. Yeah, Lord, thank you for the day and the day. Yeah, the day is this and the day and the. And I end off by three weeks from now planning my diary. And I'm like, with my eyes closed. I'm like, Armand, you're busy praying. Get back into, come on, man. And, and, and I've had numerous people that tell me this. They pray and whenever a thought pops up, they just write it down then they don't forget it. And they can continue praying and they just write it down. That's, that may be, it might be a quick win. You can get a hold of God in that way. But reprioritize, bunny trail. Uh, but get, getting, getting back to, to the point that you focusing on one single thing, it's powerful. It is very, very powerful. And I want to end off with this. Verse uh, 28 to 32. Read with me there. Back in Romans, sorry. Romans 38. Oh, 1, verse 38, 32, 24. <laughs> How many verses are in this book? <laughs> All right, let's try that again. Romans 1, verse 28 to 32. Let's try that. Uh, verse 28, 128. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Oh, guys, listen to this. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, goodness, mean, this list goes on and on and on and on. When we, when people keep on trading this path of forsaking God, putting other things before God, not prioritizing the Scripture, not being thankful, this is the end. This should scare us. We shouldn't give up on the battle. The question I started off with, why, are we pray, uh, why, are, why, why do we fail to praise God? Well, there's so many things fighting for your attention. It's an ongoing battle for you to say, Lord, everything can go on around me. Bombs can explode. You need to be the focus. I'm going to try my best that you are the focus. They say it takes 21 days to form a habit. And can I end off with this by asking you, please, next week is going to be another sermon. Thursday night is going to be another sermon. There's going to be a lot of nuggets flung at you throughout the next three weeks. Can I ask you to prioritize this one thing? Find a way to praise God daily. If you need to set an alarm on your phone, if you need to put an A4 paper on your computer, if you need to, I don't know, write on your wall at the house, I don't care. Just stop during your day for a moment and reflect on what God has done. When we sing a song, um, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Do that. When you're driving, start. I did it yesterday. And I just went on and on and on and on. And that sometimes frustrates me about the whole praise thing because people praise God for the fact that I have a screwdriver at house. Well, great, um, amen, but there's way more important things to praise God for. And let's focus on them. And those things are endless. Focus on those things. <clears throat> One last verse I want to I turn you to. Deuteronomy 32, verse 29. We're going to end off here so <clears throat> you can 
You can close it in Romans. Deuteronomy 32, and we're going to end off in verse 29. And I want you just to, to think on this. Moses said, Deuteronomy 32. That's not what Moses said. That's what I said. Deuteronomy 32 and 29. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Think on where you're going. Think about the fact that you are going to stand in front of God one day. Think on these things. Think, while we, uh, <clears throat> think why do we fail to praise Him and get a solution. Think on the end goal. Think where are you going to end up if you stop praising God and think of all the possibilities when you get a hold of God and praise Him with your, with your whole heart. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray and ask, Father, and uh, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for your son dying on the cross. And Lord, uh, you every day, Lord, so freely give us what we don't deserve, Lord. Um, just, just, Lord, thinking about all the people in this room, um, Lord, I, I think there are numerous blessings, Lord. And I think if we stand up and start testifying, God, um, it, it, we can be here a while. Uh, Father, and, and might that be our motto, Father. Might we use every opportunity to praise you and testify of your goodness and your grace. I pray and ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. Um, now on the break here, Father, bring us back safe now for the main service and work in our hearts, Lord, please. Um, and, and might you please speak with us in, in the main service as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.